Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this session of the Courageous Leadership Academy Live. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Waltman, and if you're new to this series, we talk about all things leadership, and that's from actual leadership, communication, conversations, business ownership, how to be more successful as an entrepreneur, business owner, really just helping you be a better leader and person. And our guest today is perfect for this type of conversation. Our guest today is Dr. Tracy Jones. She's an author, speaker, Air Force Academy graduate, decorated veteran, international leadership expert, scholar, and researcher. And on top of all that, she is the president of Tremendous Leadership. She's the author of several books, including Beyond Tremendous, Raising the Bar on Life, and A Message to Millennials, Encouraging the Next Generation of Leaders by Teaching the Importance of Followership. So those are two great books I recommend you check out. And her latest book, Spark, The subtitle is Five Essentials to Igniting the Greatness Within. What a fantastic title. And I'm really excited to talk to her about this topic. And with all the research she's done and the writing and her lifelong pursuit of learning, Dr. Jones is always looking for opportunities to help businesses invest in their employees. And again, she's going to help us with that today. So without further ado, let's bring Dr. Tracy Jones into the session. Hello and welcome. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled that you're here and you're sharing your time with us today. Really, really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you'd like to share in terms of an introduction before we dive into our conversation? No, that was tremendous. I'm like, wow, (laughs) this is a great introduction. Thank you so much for the honor of that. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for doing such amazing work and giving us lots to talk about. You've been very, very busy. Our theme for today, our title is The Myth of Leadership. And I love that as a title because it's just like, okay, what the heck are we going to say for the myth of leadership? So what does that mean to you? When you say that phrase, what does that mean to you? Well, this started back as a young leader. When I was 14 years old, I got my first, they call it your work release, which sounds like I was in jail as a child. But back in the day, you would get work release papers because if you were under 16, you had to get your parents' authorization. So I started working at a very young age and have not stopped since, okay, and do not intend to ever stop. So what I really did was I grew up with a father who was very passionate about leadership. I tell people it was kind of like a cross between boot camp and a sitcom, okay? It was always a lot of fun because he was motivational, but as a leader, it was always very driven and goal-oriented. Everything had to have a purpose or a lesson, 
everything. And so I grew up really learning that leadership is a privilege and we all are put on this earth to lead at something, even if it's just leading yourself. And I was exposed to really unbelievable people from an early age on talking about leadership. And they really taught me a very pragmatic approach to leadership, that it is what we are called to do, that it is an unbelievable service that we provide to others, but it is one of the most daunting, debilitating, horrible things you're ever going to do. So I always had this very, look, it's great, but it's going to kick you and kick you hard. And I think that's where I was never shocked then when I got into different leadership roles. So did a lot of different things. You heard my background, always trying to hone my leadership chops, grow my experiential bag and really work with people and see, hey, what worked good, what, what did not. So about five and a half years ago, I entered my doctoral program on leadership. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. And I remember studying it and all the theory, which is all grounded research. Okay. So it's based in actual research. But I remember I would always hear people say things like, well, if the people just aren't doing well, that's on you. And I'm like, mm, okay, so I've worked for 20 years with people and I can really do better as a leader, but I'm not thinking it's all on me. You know what I'm saying? And that's like a parent saying, I'm completely responsible for the failings of my adult child. I mean, or a husband saying it's all on my wife. Now, everybody in any kind of dyadic relationship there's ownership on both parts. So I got really burnt out, Kelly, halfway through my studies. And I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I am so tired of everybody crapping on the leader and saying, it's the leader and it's the leader. And, and if you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And I'm like, there's got to be more to it than this. So I stumbled across a book by Robert Kelly called The Power of Followership. Mm -hmm. And it really reversed the lens on leadership to followership. And what it really taught me was, if you want a better leader, be a better follower. How obvious is that? If you want a better husband, be a better wife. If you want a better kid, be a better, you know what I'm saying? So it was so obvious, but for whatever reason, when we get into a professional setting, we treat employees like they're babies and we have to guess what they want and we have to coddle them and we have to put up with temper tantrums and stuff. And it's getting more and more pronounced. And so I'm just like, no, this has not been my experience of living all over the world and working in all different settings and cultures and so I really did my doctoral research on a crisis event, and I did a case study interview of people to find out what was it in the leader that caused you to stand with them or that you ran away and flipped out. And I found out it really had nothing to do with what the leader said or did. Where it was rooted was in the individual's regenerative nature, their adaptive capacity, and their resilience. Mm -hmm. And so what I and sure as a leader, we then create the enabling construct. Absolutely. Okay. But I still maintain you can be the work for the worst leader in the world and still have brilliant employees. You won't have them for long, but brilliant employees know how to self-motivate and drive themselves. So then I, I realized there really is no such thing as leadership. There is only individual motivation. And what we as leaders need to do to engage in leadership, we have to find those people that have a desire to be led and developed. I tell people, if followership is beneath you, leadership is way beyond you, okay? But that's not taught anymore because everybody gets surprised, everybody is great, and it's like, but everybody is not great. And we talk about bringing out the best in people. Well, what if you're not bringing the best to me in the work environment? And I hate to be mean, but I'm gonna be truthful because I love people. Anybody listening out there knows that they have been in work situations where there have been people that have been an absolute nightmare to work with. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So don't tell me that everybody's great and they just show up waiting for you to let them be great. That's, that's an absolute myth. So what I really work on is dialing in what kind of follower the leader's looking for. Mm-hmm. And for followers, dialing in what kind of leader brings out the best in you. And that's going to be as varied and different as our personalities are. And it's when, you know, culture is one thing, but I never left a job because of a culture. I left a job because of a boss, because I either lost respect for them or they were triggering the untremendous side of me. So that's really what I work with as far as the leadership followership paradigm. And that's why I say, when you bring people on your team, you cannot motivate them. The only form of motivation that works or lasts is self-motivation. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. But as leaders, we try and put salt in their oats. But do you know there are many organizational horses out there that are actually horses patooties that just refuse to drink? You know it. And if you (laughs) haven't seen it, you're asleep at the wheel, especially as a leader. Um, You know, it's just the way it is. That's really what I work on as far as the myth of leadership. And once I realized this, I was able to really go, now listen, I am still honing my chops as a leader. I am still uncovering my own biases, assumptions, and blind spots. I'm working to be a better leader, but I'm a lot more clear on what I'm looking for in a teammate or a co-leader. And I'm looking for, it's like a professional dating matchmaking service. You don't want to date somebody that has a value congruence completely different than yours. And don't bring them into your organization and say, well, I'll, I'll train them. No, you won't because that's an intrinsic part of who they are. Resiliency is something you got or you don't got, and you need to find your resilient people because talk about courageous leadership, they are going to be the courageous ones. So that's a long answer to your question. (laughs) Wow, yeah, there was like, so as as you're talking, I'm listening, there's so many things I could unpack. Yeah, that was- My word, unpack, I love that. But I love that you say, because it's so true, you're right. is there a responsibility on leaders to clearly relay expectations? Absolutely. And if you're not doing that, that's on you. And, and is it on you to hold people accountable? Absolutely. To provide that positive and critical feedback? Absolutely. But to say that, yes, all of the onus is on the leader and, and that the employee doesn't have any responsibility is completely misguided. And I, and I agree that there is... You know, people are their own beings, their own entities, and you can work with them, you can coach them, and you should do those things, but it is up to that individual. And you're you're right. There are times that people are just really difficult. <laughs> you were talking about, you know, what here's the leader's requirement. But remember, like you said, there's a flip side to it. And I think it was Zig Ziglar had a great quote and he said, We are responsible to people, but not for people. Okay. I, as a leader, am responsible to give you expectation, the resources you need and whatever else requires, but I'm not responsible for you. My fear is that over the years, we have really morphed into almost a babyish work environment and we're allowing a lot of things to go on because, well, this is just the way it is now. Mm, No, it's not. And what you said too, The beauty of exemplary followership, according to Robert Kelly, is two things. Number one, there are wonderful critical thinkers, okay? Not critical spirit, okay? People are like, well, yeah, I tell my boss they're wrong all the time. I'm like, that is a critical spirit, okay? Critical thinking means if your boss has not set expectations, 
talk to them. Right. Leaders aren't mind readers. We don't know what is ailing you. So you have a responsibility. It's just like sitting there and seeing if your husband can guess what irritated you today. Right. You may not talk for a week and a half. This is ridiculous. Talk to your boss, be open with them, give them feedback. The other construct is, as far as critical thinking, all in engagement. Okay. You know, leaders are so busy. I can't be your cheerleader. Get in the game or let's move on to something else, a game that get on another bus that you like better. And so those are the two things that really I tell followers. If you don't see value in the mission, find another mission. And if you don't have a reasonable expectation of success at doing your job, tell your leader exactly what you need to be successful and they will do it for you. And if they don't, then it's time to find another leader. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fantastic. So in thinking about, um, <laughs> you know, being a quality leader, what does tremendous leadership mean to you? That's, I know it's a big word and that's for a good reason that you use quite a bit. So what does tremendous leadership mean to you? Well, thank you, Kelly. Tremendous leadership means to me, courage, humility, regenerative nature. Tremendous leadership is really all about creating an atmosphere that will unlock what is already inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so what we really strive to do is a lot of people try and mold you to be something different. Our approach is you already have this innate great already imprinted on you. Okay. That's a fact. All right. Now, whether you choose to see it or not, we try and get your head in the game and to see where you're at right now and where you can be. And it's not just all about you. The world needs the greatest version of you. So we really help people get in their heads in the game to realize, hey, what you've been through, there's only one of you and you have this zone of gifting that nobody else has. And it kind of harkens back to the Jim Collins, good to great hedgehog principle. What are you the best in the world at? And people say to me, well, nothing. Oh, yes, there is. Your experience becomes your expertise. There is something you have been through in your context only you have been through. Number two, what are you passionate about? And that's, we go back to like our childhood when we were nine and what the leadership experts say, that's when you're most often likely to learn new languages and be in touch with what you really want to be when you grow up. Okay. And then lastly, what can you do to drive your economic engine? What can you do that people will pay you for? Because if you're really in that greatness, that zone of gifting, you are going to provide a solution or a feeling to people and they are going to resonate with you and they are going to gravitate to you. And that's why it's so important for leadership and tremendous leadership. Leaders know what does it for you. There's a research theory called implicit followership theory. I have to know, you have to know as a leader, you have to know as a parent, as a friend, as a whatever, what brings out the best in you. And then you're very intentional about bringing that into you. And you also be very intentional about pruning out anything else that doesn't make the cut. So good in, but you've got to also also get rid of the bad. And then implicit leadership theory is for anybody out there, because we all work for somebody, even I who run my own company, everybody has people that they have to answer to. Understand for me, it's who is my ideal market? Who's my ideal client? Who's my avatar? I don't want to just speak to anybody. I don't want to publish just anybody's book. I got to know who really hits and gets our value. There's a strong congruence. And so when you do this, work becomes a joy, a synergy, a synchronicity, a reciprocity versus it's Sunday night. 
I feel sick. I can't sleep. Oh my gosh, it's Friday afternoon. Let's go drink because <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. And if it is that way, something's wrong. And it's time to either make a change or just keep doing the same thing. Which is not a great choice. <laughs> it's not a great choice, but it takes courage. It's, it's courage. It takes soul searching. It takes self-awareness. For our listeners out there, Tremendous Leadership is all about helping you see the incredible value in you. You may not see it. You may think, oh my gosh, I could never get another job. I could never, I'm too old. Wrong. Wrong. You're just getting started. And at any time, you can pivot with purpose and start the next chapter of your life. I mean, we're all living to be like 90 and 100. I'm barely on the back nine of life. I'm just getting started. <laughs> Right. I just started figuring it out too. So. Right, right. I know as I joke around people, like I said, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> That's a beautiful space to be because it means right. you're open and you're willing to just keep evolving and growing. And that's the meaning of life. Yeah. Yeah. When you were just speaking there about change, that reminds me in the book, you had this one section where you're talking about change. Well, it's a lot in the book, but there was a line about you need to exchange like to change. And I don't know, you didn't write it exactly that way, but that was a note I wrote to myself because I'd never thought about it that way. You need to exchange your prior circumstance or your prior feeling or your prior whatever. You need to exchange that to change. And when you talk about also that all change is death, you know, you need to, some part of you or your life or your circumstance needs to die. So that this new part can come into being. And I just thought that was really powerful. And you're right. It's scary for a lot of people. It is because of those things, those reasons, it's not easy to let go. And, and it does take courage. But I, I love the way you phrased that in the book. It just really resonated with me a lot. I appreciated that. You know, everybody keeps talking about your comfort zone. Why people are reluctant to leave their comfort zone, because they know comfort zones are a quagmire, is because they haven't identified their strength zone. When you identify, and that's what in SPARK is an acronym, singularity. When you dial in your strength, you have a hard time sleeping because now you know what your purpose is. And when we find our purpose, we can deal with anything. And you talking about that exchange, I'm going to use a real world example. I, as we talked earlier, and those of you that know me, I have a pup that for the past six weeks, we have been dealing with something really unknown and scary. And we have taken him to four specialists, four ERs, four different doctor appointments. We got one at three this afternoon. We have been on antibiotics, antifungal, prednisone, myloquin, revolution, you name it. And still no relief. So here I am and I'm putting all the good on this dog that typically, and he's eating steak, he's eating salmon, we're going raw. I mean, he's eating eggs, he's eating, he's eating better than my husband. He's like, is that my shoulder? I'm like, no. That's Roscoe. I mean, this dog, this is it. But still, something is wrong. Right. And so I'm like, as a researcher, I'm not, so I'm up all night, like, what is it? What, there must be something else. And any of you that have dealt with particularly dermatological issues or autoimmune, you just keep looking, 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 and you never really know what triggered it, but you've got to figure it out. And then you have to find out what you need to do. Finally, at the last minute, I'm like, well, you know what? He's still get. there's still something wrong. There's, how can there still be something wrong? And I'm waiting for the skin biopsies to come on back. And so then I go and I say, well, I'm going to try one other thing. I'm going to give him a sulfur bath. So I gave him a sulfur bath, a sulfur dip. Okay. And for those of you that have rescued cats and kittens or have cattle, sulfur dip. So anybody out there with dog issues, highly recommend this. So I get in there and I'll be darned. 
He has had skin scraping. He has been, he's on revolution. There is no way any little bugger could have been living on him. And yet something came out of him. Little tiny fermites. Okay. Mm-hmm. None of my dogs have them. I wash his bedding every day. How is this? But the point of it is when you said that, I could have done the greatest things in the world for him, but until you eradicate the bad, and Ruby Renan wrote a book called Saucy Aussie Living and she, Getting a Second Leash on Life, and her quote was always, let a single flea stay on me, and soon you'll be in misery, okay? <laughs> so that's what that reminded me, that's how right there. That's what that reminded me of, no matter how much good I did, until I eradicated and got to the root source, and maybe it's a fear, and maybe it's a negative person. And maybe it's this bullcrap story you keep, this lie, this perceived, either real or perceived thing that happened to you. Let it go. Get flea free. And now that was two days ago. I can already see. Now, we got a long way to go in the recovery process. But I think I actually eradicate it. Now, I will have to keep eradicating that. And that's the thing about getting out the negative people, the toxic people, the negative self-talk, the stinking thinking. Zig Ziglar has another one of my favorite quotes. And he says, they say positive thinking doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. So every day you got to cut the crap. I mean, your mind is a vacuum. And even if you hear this stuff in the background, so I tell people, turn that crap off. I'm in a restaurant listening to incredibly toxic, disgusting conversation. I'll move someplace else because your mind, stuff just comes into your mind, guard it. Because whatever is in there, if you don't eradicate it right away, just like those little mites that he probably got digging in the soil, you got an infestation. I love that you say that because it does require that intentionality and that vigilance. I think sometimes it's so easy to just become passive consumers to so much not negativity that we don't even realize it's coming at us from all these different angles from, yeah, whether it's television or conversations or whatever, what we see online. And, you know, yes, of course we can't completely avoid bumping into it, but we can be intentional then about redirecting ourselves and really just being aware of how powerful that is, the messaging that we take in both consciously and subconsciously. So I love that you share that because it's so true and it really does make a difference. Well, it does in critical thinking skills. I tell people, you know, I learned a lot from my PhD and I got a book out of it too, but the greatest thing I learned was how to critically think. Remember I talked about critical thinking. And so I tell people, if you can't cite it, don't write it or speak it. If you can't go back and show me the grounded research where you got that, and that's why I live at peace. And I I recommend to people all this stuff you're reading about, do you know that's completely fiction or editorialization or whatever, or a narrative? Are you really going to live in a fear space based on a lie? It's like, what was that Blair Witch Project? Or what was the one where they were living in the woods and they were scared all the time? It's like Blair Witch Project. It's like, come on, guys unpack it. I grew up in the woods. So I can remember watching that movie thinking, people are really scared of the woods. I don't understand this. And people are like, oh, it's so, it's so horrifying. I'm like, whatever, you know, okay. Maybe you should get out in the woods and see the woods kind of thing. But I would really say if something is vexing you or stressing you, unpack it, get out there, unpack it. And when you shine the light of fact and people are like, well, I can't find facts. Yeah, you can. You just got to be really diligent. There's certain websites, even for COVID, there's certain med page and New England Medical Journal where I go on to where I really get to listen to doctors talking about real issues. And so then I get to really make informed choices about, okay, but it takes intentionality. Don't be a lazy thinker. 
So in thinking, you know, we've talked a little bit about your book, Spark, and I'll make sure I have a link to it in the show notes where people can find it. Let's talk about the five components because that's your subtitle is five essentials to ignite the greatness within. So you mentioned the first one, the S, because Spark is an acronym, singularity. Do you want to just talk a little bit more about, about that as a concept and then walk us through the, the other components? Absolutely. Well, I am, uh, like you said, an engineer by trade. So although you can tell me conceptually what's going on, I am the type of learner that if you don't give me a construct or the tools to do it, I'm just like, how are we supposed to get this done? And I can figure it out, but I need the means to get it done. So I am a big believer in construct because like you, trying to grow a business, trying to determine what to go next, there's some things I'm doing right, but there were some things where I'm like, it's still not firing. Why am I not getting traction? And I knew I shouldn't just like start from square one. I needed to really identify. And I was in quality assurance on fighter jets as uh, though they were in the back as a maintenance officer. So when the jet would come down non-mission capable, you don't just swap out everything or trash it. You go through and you troubleshoot and you figure out, uh, this is what it is. And these are the parts. This is the testing. This is what I need to do to get it back to fully mission capable. So I came up with a construct of five keys and there's an intrinsic component to it and an external component to it. And I think where a lot of personal development fails is they start with just getting you all fired up and you're ready to declare the world. This is what I'm doing. And then you go out there and tell the world and the world's like, you're an idiot or shut up or whatever. And and then you, you know, and so I'm like, okay, so we got the intrinsic thing going. Okay. Now we have to talk about what are the externals you need. So just like leadership and followership, two sides of the same coin. Okay. You can't put it all on the boss because you as the employee, there's more of you than them. You have a bigger responsibility for creating success in the organization. Remember that, okay? So really followership is about 80% of the success in an organization because, you know, unless the leader's doing something illegal, immoral, or unethical, that now get found out, followership really is responsible for the success or failure of any enterprise. Although we like to blame leaders, but we're all in this together. We're all drawing a paycheck, so we should all show up. So Spark is really singularity, persistence, A is for advocates, R is for resources, and K is for knowledge. So the first two, S&P, are singularity and persistence. This is what you bring to the table. People will say to me, should I write this book? Should I marry this person? Should I go back? I don't know. I'm not you. Only God knows your heart. Now, I can help you. There's many tests and many constructs out there. And this is why life coaches are wonderful, to help you really dial in what is the best use of time. I tell people, if you had a microphone to the world for 30 minutes, what would your message be? That's your singularity. That's what you're most passionate about. You know, that's what you're put on this world to do. So that's not enough. Persistence. I can't do the work for you. Okay. You know, they say some people are like blisters. They show up after the work is done, you know? So I can't work for you. And a lot of people sit back, well, well, the taxpayer just paying me to do nothing. Friend, that is dangerous, okay? You cannot outsource work. So you have to know your anointing. And when you do, then you become relentless, okay? So once you dial these in, and singularity is the most important one, because when you dial that in, everything seems to follow because you don't care about people saying you're an idiot. You're like, too bad. So sad. 
You know, I know what I'm here to do. And then you really become almost relentless. You don't mind the no's. You don't mind the setbacks. You become very all in and tenacious. So that's the first two. But we are not coded either from a theological standpoint or an evolutionary standpoint to go through life on our own. We are meant to be in a collective. And you can't get it right without the right people, processes, and products. That's why the law of attraction was always so, people would be like, this is ridiculous. I can't just wish a red Porsche to be in my driveway, okay? Well, I can, but it's not going to happen. There's certain things that must be done. So A is for advocates. These are the people that want your success more than even you want it. These are your earth angels. These are your benefactors, your prefects. These are the connectors. And you say, I don't have any. I'm like, yeah, you do. You just haven't made yourself open to them. You have to ask them what you want specifically, and you have to authorize them to act on your behalf. That's the big, people don't realize, oh my gosh. And people are like, well, Tracy, you have all these connections. And I'm like, yeah, because I cultivate them and I ask them. So this is your networking, okay? R is your resources. These are your website, your contractors, your marketers, your logistics. These are your brand people. These are people that you actually exchange money with, your employees. So they give you the means to get it done because without people actually doing the technical aspect of it, nothing gets executed. So that's R for resources. And then K is knowledge, okay? Because What you know now is not going to be enough to get you through next week or next month. So you have to be constantly in the state of open to learning, researching, unlearning, relearning, right? Because you can't just keep growing up. You got to go, oh, and again, Zig Ziglar said that we don't change people's mind. We just add new information and then they actually come to a different final conclusion. That's why this argument on social media is so idiotic. Stop. I know. I tell them, I'm like, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You're not by adding to the comments. Right. They couldn't even change their mind. I look at people. I have known dear people that have an addiction problem. Hey, if you don't stop, you're going to die. Guess what? They don't stop. I'm not going to change their mind. Okay. Because unless you get that pleasure or pain point there, nothing, no behavior is going to change. So that's really what Spark is. And it's a meta cycle. You constantly do it. But in the book, I really help you dial in. Which of those are you missing? So here I am 12 years back and I realized, okay, I need to keep honing my singularity, which I think singularity needs honed all the time. Persistence, not a problem. I'll die before I quit. I mean, I'm just, I'm not quitting. And my dad told me that you can want to quit. Just don't quit. You know, you make a decision, make it yours and die by it. I mean, I was, I went to war twice. I'm not, I'm not quitting. I don't care. I'm not quitting. I'll pivot, but I'm not quitting. So then I'm like advocates. I have so many unbelievable advocates. Many of the people listening are just huge advocates for us and knowledge. I just got my THC, but I'm like, I am really resource constrained. I need to get the right systems, processes, and team members in place because you can't do it on your own. I don't care how brilliant of a leader you are, but that's where we get into, listen, I've had many people that I've worked with throughout my 40 years in various industries, okay? And I could count on one hand the ones that really got me and I got them. But that's because I wasn't being intentional about who to bring in and make sure it was a good fit. Now I take my time. And when you get those right people that are all in for the mission, not just exchanging time for money or navel gazing, punching the clock until they get to go home or retire, then you really get to spark your singularity and make a difference in the world. Yeah. 
That's so spot on and thinking about there's these five components, these five ingredients. And I love that you said, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like you're not getting traction, take a look and see what you're missing. Where are you, you know, constrained, not quite there. You know, if it's the singularity, if it's the resources, where are you not at an optimal level that's preventing you from moving forward. That's so tangible. You know, people can take that information, read it, take a look at it and do that self-assessment, that introspection or get some help. If they're, if they're not able to do it themselves, they can get somebody else to say, this is where it seems like you're stuck to really move forward. I love that it's insightful, but also actionable. That's, that's huge. Well, thanks. And that's what they tell people. You know, it's just life is poetry and plumbing esoteric and beautiful, but if you don't roll up your sleeves and, and execute strategy, right? you know, it's, again, everything has this duality to it. And a lot of people just want to talk about success, you know, but yeah, that's great. But you have to, it's not where the rubber meets the sky. You got to make systems and processes and plans. And the book really helps you dial in. What are you feeling? Okay. And then, you know, if you're feeling exhausted or frustrated or isolated or indecisive, depending on that number one feeling, then we dial into the root cause. Mm -hmm. So we can really unpack. And we have the online course, which has a lot of great online tests and deeper dive questions where you can continue to mine and figure out, hey, how do I dial this in? Yeah, you need to have the systems and strategies to move forward. But if you don't have that focus and that mindset. And if you don't have the vision piece and you don't have that feeling, that excitement, you know, you need both to really make any progress. It's not just enough to have the mindset and the vision, like that's great. (laughs) But if you don't have the systems and the accountability and the how you're not going to move forward. So that's a a fantastic point that there's, as you said, with all of these things, there's that duality. And if you don't have both of those components in play, or in balance, then you're, you're going to struggle. Um, well, it's yeah. the feeling and the knowing, you know, yeah. I feel, I know, I feel it in my heart what I want to do, but I got to know, I have to have a reasonable expectation of success. And that means there's going to be things I need beyond me to help yeah. me get that done. But you need them both because your feeling will help you hone when you dial in your singularity and you know it, then you know what conversations to have. Okay. You know who to talk to, you know, who your ideal client is. You get very focused, as you said, on, Hey, this is the best and purest use of my time. Here's who's going to really get me and who I can become the most help to help, help to not help to, (laughs) 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 that's great. And I think this relates probably a lot to the, the ask the singularity, but I still want to ask this question. So thinking about this idea of vision, you know, one of the quotes that you have on your website is that context is critical when communicating vision. So again, bringing it back to thinking about leadership and vision and effectively communicating that. Like, Talk to us more about that idea that context is critical. Share more about that. Wow. Well, all this started was when I saw Darkest Hour, the movie on Churchill. And I think it was Winston Churchill came out, I think about three years ago, and it was right before everybody else had pretty much given up because Hitler was sweeping through. I just remember Gary Oldman, who was playing Winston Churchill, and Ben Mendelsohn, who's another one of my favorite actors, uh, who was in the new Star Wars once, of course. And so, big Star Wars fan. And so he comes in, and Churchill um, has been ostracized, kicked out, and only brought back into power because everybody else was uncourageous and wimpy. 
and they don't stand by him at all. Okay, and so he's trying to be courageous on his own, which no leader can do. You need at least one other person in your corner, just one. You don't need a thousand, just one, preferably two. Three is ideal. ideal, Okay, but at least have one because then you know you're not losing your mind. Okay, and so I remember Ben Mendelsohn comes in, who's King George, and says, because everybody was telling him, "Hey, you need to negotiate with Mussolini," knowing full well that this is not a negotiation. This is a hostile takeover and decimation of of the UK, which I lived in. I'm okay for a couple years when I was in the military. So Ben Mendelsohn comes in and says, "Hey, you know what?" He did not like Winston Churchill. They thought he was a drunk. They thought he was nuts. You know, Churchill's one of my favorites. An unfiltered leader. And for Mm -hmm. a crisis like that, you need an unfiltered leader. And so King George said to him, hey, I'm not running into exile to Canada. And if Hitler's afraid of you, I'm going to throw my backing support you. And in that moment, you see Gary Ullman kind of almost like the blood comes back into him and the life. That's why I say context is when people talk about tough situations they're going through, you have to understand all the different things that led up to that, all the baggage that Churchill had, all the failures from before him that that he had to really carry and deal with. And he had to talk about, you know, all the political side, all the. So when you're looking at leadership and people are like, well, I can't believe they did that. You don't know the context of anything going on. And that's why we vilify leaders. Do you even know what happened? Do you even know the whole context or the dialogue? All you hear is a snippet and what you're told. So that's why I tell people leadership is very nuanced. We'll see a five second review of something and automatically, but I know everything about it. It's like, you don't know anything about it. And so you really have to not jump to conclusions and really just make sure in leadership before you do make a knee jerk reaction as a leader engage in great sense-making strategies, which means you stay calm, cool, and collective. I mean, unless you're stopping nuclear weapons from coming over into our land, take your time, do your research, let cooler heads prevail, and really observe the lay of the land and get a great, because when you examine what is really, and they're called sense-making strategies, you actually get a lot more clarity and knowledge. K is a knowledge as a leader. So mm-hmm. context is really important. Don't let people just say to you, well, as a leader, you should do this. Well, well, it's like telling people in marriage counseling, you should do this. Wait, what? You don't know where they've been. You don't know what they've done. It's just like me taking my dog to the vets. And you know me, I have like a book. This is everywhere we've been. I send it to them ahead of time, review everything. So you know the context of what I've been through the last five weeks. And sure enough, I'll get there and they'll be like, now what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, the context, right. the context. I just spent a half an hour filling out forms online so you can get the context. So when I show up to you, you don't just look at me and go, so what's going on? So as I tell people, don't just jump in to the stream. Really look at what's going on. Understand the leadership context. Before you make any decisions, if anybody calls you and said, well, you need to talk to this person about that, or you need to call your sister about that, wait, 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 because you also need to understand different people's motivations and why people may be saying different things to you, because they may not always be in your best interest. And most people are self-serving by nature. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thinking about the question was framed, you know, context with communicating vision, but I love the, just the idea of taking the time 
to get and appreciate context across the board, both as, you know, as a leader, but also as a follower and just a general person. You know, I, I joke around that my sixth grade teacher, one day we were in class when he was talking about something and somebody must have made a comment about assuming. And he said, and he stopped everything. He said, never assume. So I'm in sixth grade, never assume. Do you know why? And he walks up to the chalkboard because yes, it was chalkboards back then. And (laughs) writes the word assume and strategically places two lines down through the word. And he says, because assuming makes, you know, and I think about that all the time. And I think that that's such a a key piece with the idea of context. Don't assume you understand. Don't assume, you know, take the time to get the context. Um, If you're a leader and, and one of your employees or team members is having an issue Take the time to get the context. You know, yes, if there needs to be accountability or if there needs to be skill building, of course, but take the time to get the context. And if you are the follower, take that time to get the context. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't assume. And even in our personal relationships, taking the time to get context is is great advice. (laughs) Context is tremendous. And you said that. And again, context is vision because I'm bringing, I just brought a new person on my team this week. So in order for me to communicate the vision, I have to show them the context of when my father started the company and what I've been doing the last 12 years, because inevitably people will come in as great followers and say, well, have we tried this? And so I really want to make sure I understand and say yes. And here's what did or didn't work. Now, I'm not saying it's not a different time and we did everything right, but they want them to understand the context of we're not at square one. We're at square a thousand and ninety nine and we're trying to get to twenty five hundred so they can kind of understand where we've been so we don't waste a lot of time and energy and resources. That's why context is so important. Yeah. And it, I think so often that gets lost, you know, as you were talking about sound bites and you know, just that some of the information that we consume again, not only making sure we're we're trying to weed out the negative toxic information and messaging, but also not getting so wrapped up in the soundbite society and really digging into that context. Like you were talking about doing our homework, doing our research, making informed decisions. That's gold advice just in, in general for, for all of us. So thank you. For That's a good room for a book, Kelly, Soundbite Society. Oh, there we go. Maybe we can, we can co-author that. <laughs> we have our next project. Yeah. We'll put that in the list of the other 20 ahead of us. Not that we're not focused, folks. We're very focused. That's we are very focused. Yes. (laughs) So in the time, we have a few minutes left here, but in the time that we have remaining, I want to ask, what are some of your kind of key do's and don'ts or don'ts and do's if you want to end with the kind of the positive thing? What are some, some key things that you'd like to share and anything else that you would just like to share? I would say one of the biggest do's that goes along with leadership is maintain your physical health. All right. Mm -hmm. No matter how brilliant we are, we are still flesh and blood. And so I would really say, um, make sure that you are getting the right amount of sleep. Make sure that you are not engaging in destructive tendencies. I haven't touched sugar in five years. I will never will. I just can't. It gives me brain fog. I just, I do other things. So when you dial in your health, everything else becomes so much more clear. And it's tough to get singularity when you're tired or you're sick or you're poisoning yourself. So, you know, this whole thing about COVID and and stay healthy, I'm like, well, people got to get healthy before they, you know, it's like people tell me when I was single, stay married. 
okay, well, I kind of got to get married before I can stay married. So I tell people dialing in your health and there needs to be a way more robust discussion on that because your body is an unbelievable resilient thing. And all you got to do is take care of it a little bit and it will respond in kind. The other do I would really say is you build that advocate network and you build it now. I am amazed at how many of my friends, even family members go through a trauma or a crisis and they got no safety net. And I'm not talking just finances. I'm talking even people to come sit with them, take them in. It's unheard of. And I'm just like, or you'll see it. Well, so-and-so passed away and they have nothing. How do you have nothing? You need to go out there and make sure you have on your Rolodex. And I have different areas of my life. I have my financial mentors, my spiritual mentors, my personal mentors, my business. But I have this cadre. Well, when I need it, that's my army that comes to my support. And I would tell people, definitely, you build that. Because the time to prep for the crisis is not when the bullets start flying. It's well ahead of time. So those are the two. And when you have that robust network, you know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Ecclesiastes 4. I had it at my wedding. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Mm. People break because they go it alone. And a lone sheep is a dead sheep. Okay? I talk about that in the book. Find those people. And don't tell me you can't find them. That's being lazy. And then just don't sit there and throw up your hands and be histrionic and, and oh, the world, the world. Come on, man. We are so connected. Okay, didn't mean to sound like Joe Biden there. Come on, man. Come on, everybody. Sorry. You just really want to make sure that you got that network there because there are going to be times when you're going to have to pass some stuff off to people. Your advocates want to be there to support you. But just like your leader can't read your mind, your friends can't either. So let them know. And if they're not going to be there when you need them, you need to find ones that will be. So those are the two really things that I would do. Those are great pieces. The first one, especially for me, anybody who's talked to me recently, I'm constantly talking about nutrition and how I spent the last year figuring out, I was having all kinds of nutritional issues. You know, what was, and it took me a year and it took, again, that research and figuring it out and I just feel so much better. And like, yeah, I was tired all the time. And you can't be productive. You can't be focused. You can't do those things when you're not feeling your best. So I I love that you said that. Now it's easier than ever to be connected and expand your network. There's no excuses. It does. You can live anywhere in the world and be connected with anybody anywhere in the world. And so I love that that piece of advice as well. That's great. Well, congratulations on finding that. But it takes work, and people just want to pop a pill or not change their lifestyle. And I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Right. You know, yeah. nothing's going to change until you change. So. That's right. Spark. And that's what Spark is about. What is that initial source of combustion when you finally go, I'm making the decision and I'm going to take action. And yeah. so we got to dial in. Where does that happen? Because once you're sparked, then you're on your way. But until that happens, you just kind of, and I don't know. I mean, I reclaimed my health about three years ago, but there was a, a two decades before I was just like, I knew I needed to, I knew I needed to, but I didn't. Right. So what eventually hit me where I finally went, that's it. That's it. Done. Now it's time to act for action. Awesome. Well, Dr. Tracy Jones, thank you so, so much for spending time with us this afternoon. What a real pleasure and treat. I really enjoyed it. I'll make sure I put in the comments the best place to find you, but I always like to give my guests a chance to say that where's the best place for people to connect with you? 
Well, sure. If for the bookstore and free online webinars and stuff like that. And if you sign up on our website, you get two weeks of free ebook downloads, which is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Build that, pay out that knowledge. That's tremendousleadership.com. And if you want to go over for my blogs, my leadership podcast, that's at Tracy C. Jones, T-R-A-C-E-Y-C Jones.com. So both of those things, one is kind of more the speaker course side, and the other one is more the publishing, if you want to publish with us too, and the book side. Nice. Wonderful. Well, I encourage everybody to check out Spark and all the other resources that Dr. Jones has available. And again, just thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Waltman. It was an absolute honor. Thanks everyone for watching and for all your wonderful comments. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.